Why do we suffer hardships? Let's pop the top on this. Cue the music. There's a war going down, put your shield and your armor on. There's a war going down, put your shield and your armor on. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the only one. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the holy one. What's up, guys and gals? I'm Carl. And I'm Chris. And you're listening to another episode of that Philly Faith Podcast where we talk the walk, and walk it too. And today, we have a very special guest with us. Grace, my daughter. Hi. <laughs> oh, your oldest daughter? Yes, yes. The other daughter wanted to be on too, but that would have been a, a disaster. A disaster. We might release the uh, the outtakes from her being in here earlier before we started the official recording. That was fun. Yeah. You can speak. It is a podcast. That's sort of required. You can tell, yeah, you can say hi. Um, Introduce yourself. I already said hi. <laughs> yeah, you did say hi. I'm, I shouldn't have said your name. I should have made you do that. I am Grace. Very good. That was very impressive. <laughs> We're off to a, a, She's a giggling start. She's giggling. Gotta give her a minute. Get some giggles out. She'll be fine, listeners. Right Just on. give her time. Give her time. Well, it's not going to help because I got a pretty good dad joke today yeah, let's kick it right off well, i don't know if it's a dad joke it's just a joke that's corny so it could be lumped in with dad jokes mm-hmm. but, so they're all kind of corny yeah well, yeah, yeah. well you know corny it's just an interesting word where's the corn <laughs> hilarious all right let's get to the real joke right on so this police officer pulls over a guy for speeding does a typical police officer thing you know comes to the comes to the window asks for his license and registration Looks in, but he looks in the back seat and he sees two penguins in the back seat. He goes, hey, man, what are you doing with these penguins in your back seat? It's like, there. Yeah, but you haven't even got to the punchline. I know, right? It's great. Penguins in the back seat's pretty funny, right? So. <laughs> you can laugh. It's okay. You don't have to hide it. Imagine just two penguins just in the back seat. Just hanging out. Right. <laughs> Sunglasses smoking. Ice back there, too, maybe. Well, yeah. Okay, let's, let's let Chris tell the joke. So. Sorry. So he goes, hey, you know, what are you doing with these penguins? They're, you know, they're a protected species. You can't just have them. You have to have, you know, permits and whatnot. Ice, so, ice coolers. And, yeah. yeah. So he's like, you should probably just go ahead and take them to the zoo. And he goes, you know, that's a great idea. And the officer gives him his ticket and goes on his way. Well, next day, same guy speeds by him again. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to pull this guy over again. Pulls him over again. Walks up to the car. And there's the two penguins in the back seat still. This time... They have, like, like, Tommy Bahama shirts on and yeah. sunglasses. Oh, man. Yeah. You said sunglasses earlier. Yeah. I'm like, ah, don't ruin it, man. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't even know the joke. <laughs> they're, they're not smoking, though. They're, they're not smokers. Oh, okay. That's good. All right. Yeah. It's the best. So, and they might be in California where you can't smoke in a car anyways. That's true. Yeah. We'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave that detail out. We won't say the state. <laughs> but, uh, so he goes, hey, you know, what, what, are you, what are you doing? I told you to take these penguins to the zoo yesterday. And he goes... I did, and that was a great idea. And today we're going to the beach. <laughs> you got to be specific, you know? Right? Intent. They missed the point. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. So I'm going to kick us right off. Right on. Um, we're going to kind of flip-flop this a little bit from how we normally pattern our episodes. We usually have an open discussion in the top half, but I think we're going to do that at the bottom half a little bit. But, And I sort of... 
I hinted to this question. Well, I didn't just hint at it. I, I gave it to you earlier this week to sort of ponder on. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's from Acts chapter 14, verse 22. And in the context of this, it's the disciples comforting the believers in the first century who are suffering under the, the thumb of non-believers from various sources. And they say this, it is through many persecutions that we must enter into the kingdom of God. What does that mean to you? I'll give my take on on this, my opinion, in the bottom half of the episode. Okay. But what does that mean to you? So, I'm... You mind if I read mine real quick? Because mine had a little bit different wording. Yeah, sure. So kind of, I kind of hinged on that. Look at this. You're going to hear. Oh, yeah. Hear all the flipping noises. I should have just marked it, but I didn't. I went right past it. Just for your benefit, Carl. You even have the tabs. I do have the tabs. I went past it in Acts. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So... I read from 21 to 22. I did. I was trying to do the not follow the, the context, but that didn't really help. So right. I'll just start at 22. And what is your version before you start? So mine is the NIV version. Okay. I think it's the 1984 um, NIV. It's the NIV, but I'm not quite sure. But so it says, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. So the first part kind of didn't make make sense to me. So I kind of went back a little bit and it's just, you know, basically they they came back to the city with a number of disciples that they had made. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, then that comes in strengthening. Um, So I I, I guess in my in, in my thinking of. The the because it has in quotes we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Right. Okay. So kind of the same question worded differently, but to me it's I hear a lot of you know God is God's testing me. God's testing me, and I can't help but think it would be kind of a and I hate saying this the way this way, but. Before anybody jumps off the rails, let me kind of... Yeah, give you time and space to explain. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. a little bit of space to explain is I feel like that would be a flawed system that God would have set up, that he set up. He he made us in our image and gave us free will and then deliberately did things to test us. Mm -hmm. So I rather think, you know, because nothing comes through us or comes to us unless it's through him. You know, we said last week where, you know, the devil doesn't operate freely. He, I mean, he's given free reign, but at some point in time, God says that's enough. Right. Stop God's it. in control. He's in control. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to, I guess if you kind of think of it, you know, God's the driver and the devil's kind of the, the backseat driver. Yeah. Right? He's throwing things out there. That irritating carpool. Partner. Yeah. Right. Right. So <laughs> I think the, to me, it's, you know, the devil's tempting you with temptations and what you do with those is the test. Right. But he allows those things to happen to us to test us. Right. Like it, I don't think he would deliberately design a hardship for us to test us. He allows hardships to come to us through the devil or through life in, in general. Mm-hmm. In I order don't to think, accomplish testing. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so in that sense, you know, we're going to go through many hardships. Right. And, and I think 
you know, God knows that. So he instilled grace into this, into the system. Right. Right. Cause he knew, I mean, he knows, Hey, the devil's going to be out there and he's going to be, you know, tempting you a lot. And man's probably going to succumb to those temptations. But here I have your, I have your, your panic button. Right. It's, it's grace, you know? So in that sense where, you know, I think this was kind of prophetically said that, you know, God knows we're going to have a lot of hardships and, but on the other side is the kingdom of heaven, right? Like you're not, you're not going to be his own and not go through hardships. Right. Right. Especially spiritual ones. So, I mean, that's kind of what that means. Like that means to me, like not. It's a path you have to take to get to the goal. Right. Yeah. Not, not that, not necessarily that like it's, you know, you're going to have to run this gauntlet to get there. It's you're going to have to run this gauntlet to get there. Right. Right. So in, in a roundabout way, I guess that's kind of my, my train of thought on it. That's not too far off from, from what I was going to say in the bottom half when I kind of give my, and there's a reason I'm waiting. Right. Cause it'll, it'll segue into a conversation I want to have on the, on the other side of our break. But okay. uh, I think, my takeaway for what you said, it's very good. It's very good what you said. And I think my takeaway for us is that we're not promised a life free of those hardships when we become mm-hmm. believers. I think we need to remember that. Mm-hmm. Hard times are going to come, even when we are believers. Right. Uh, and, and and simply for the pure fact that the the devil wants to derail you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's his main goal is, you know. If you've professed your love in God, there's very little chance that he's going to get you to unprofess that or not believe in God. Right. But what he can do is derail you. Well, if you remember from last week, and, and those of you listening, if you hadn't listened to to last week's episode, Love and Truth backslash The Rule of 40, what we, what we called mm-hmm. that, uh, there's going to be a couple running themes that, that apply that. It'd be, it'd be better if you listen to that first. It won't be totally necessary. But if you remember from last week when Satan tempted Jesus. Yeshua. It was after his baptism, and I believe he was giving us the template there, mm-hmm. right? It was after the baptism. Right. So for us, that's after we come into faith, after we make that commitment, then the the testing comes, mm-hmm. and the temptation comes. It doesn't go away. You know, I make it worse. Right. And that's not God trying to trip us up to say, hey, I got gotcha. you. You were never a real follower. That's what Satan's trying to do, right? right. And it's a lie. God's not doing that to trip us up. He's doing that to make us better. Right. And and that's, yeah, that's kind of, you know, hits the nail on the head with, or yeah, hits the nail on the head. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. I think it's right. I think it hits the, the nail. Nails have the head. I was like, well, why, nail, why would I want. the head of the nail. I was thinking, yes. well, why would I want, I thought, at first I was going to say it hits the nose, it hits the nose on the head or something like, I'm like, well, that's like somebody punching your nose. You don't want that. People are thinking, why are we taking anything they say seriously? Right. Yeah. Right. right. Nail it. It well, I'm trying to lie in the mood. I'm trying to lie in the mood, you know, get out of her show a little bit, but yeah, I mean, God doesn't, you know, like, like you, I, w- I wish I could have like quoted what you just said. God doesn't design those things for us. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't design hardships for us. He lets them come to us. You know, I mean, how many times have you been dealing with your daughters, right? And you just think, well, you know, I know that's probably not very good, but I've told them, and the only way they're going to learn is to experience it, right? Right. I will spank them, yeah. right? Yeah. Or or implement corrective measures, right? But I don't want them to go through tough times. I don't create tough times for them to go through, but 
there might come a time where I have to allow them to go through those mm-hmm. tough times so that they learn like yeah. I did. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, eloquently put my, <laughs> my thoughts eloquently put. Cause I would say, you know, if, you know, if, if we do th- go through and we will, and I'll, we'll read a passage on that here in a minute. But when we go through those corrective measures, those, those seasons of discipline, it's because it's necessary. We've, we've positioned ourselves in a place where he has no other choice but to discipline us. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not because he wants us to hurt right. any more than I want my children to hurt when I spank them. Like I did 10 minutes before we got here, Grace, right? That's what? a joke. That's a joke. She hasn't been spanked in a long time. But I thought you were talking about you had to spank Grace, like, or not Grace, but Faith on the way out the door. So oh, no. no she everyone gets this mixed up. Get everyone what calls me Faith and everyone calls her Grace. I mean, yeah, I was really worried about that on the podcast. I do. I'm really bad about like if I get, oh. seriously get irritated and I'm yelling out at, at one of them, not screaming, yeah. but if I'm yelling out, then I'll I get the names mixed up all the time, and I'm really paranoid about calling you Faith on the podcast. Well, <laughs> Let me tell you, that's not, I'll edit it out to make myself look good. That's not a new concept with with fathers that have multiples because my dad was the same way. A little little sidebar, a little story. Oh yeah. So I have two older brothers. My oldest brother's Eric. My middle brother's JJ. James Jr. Everybody calls him JJ. So if I was in trouble, generally three names got yelled out in the house. Eric, I mean, JJ, I mean, Chris. And that's the way, that's the way. And it wasn't just me. If he meant to call JJ, sometimes it would be Chris. I mean, Eric, no. Yeah. So no, that's not a new concept for parents. I accidentally (laughs) called our puppy Faith the other day. (laughs) It's it's getting bad when you can't even remember the dog's name because everything's getting all jumbled up. So... <clears throat> to kind of go off of like what you were asking, I think it's almost like you talking about the X, yeah, the X mm-hmm. reference. Okay, yeah, it reminds me of. Refining. You, by the way, you transitioned real hard from us joking around right mm-hmm. back to that. That's fine. All right, it's mm-hmm. good. Good. <laughs> you might be the narrator before it's over with getting us back on track. Maybe, maybe we're the ones with the problem here. Go ahead. But it reminds me of refining iron, and he has to refine us to get us to where he wants us to go. Mm-hmm. And how you get iron to the state you want is you have to refine it. Correct. And I think it's kind of the same thing. He To get us to where we need to go, he needs to refine us so then we're ready for what will come our way. Did you take the tablet and read my notes for the bottom half of the episode? Nope. When I wasn't looking? <laughs> nope. Oh, okay, just checking. Because <laughs> that's pretty close to my answer when I give, when I give mine. It's a, it's, a, it's a matter of it's correcting us and, and getting us to that place where he needs us to be. Right. right. I I think it's almost like getting us from, you know, level one believer to level two believer to level three believer, you know, right. if he wants, if he wants to prepare us for a work, he's got to get us ready for the work. He's got to equip us right. for it. And, yeah. you know, think of it like boot camp in the military. You know, it's not fun. It's not pleasant. It's a hardship. Right. And sometimes it's a hardship that's not to disagree with what you were saying, because I don't disagree with it, but sometimes it is a it is a hardship designed by the ones running the boot camp. Right. You know what I mean? To create scenarios that train you and prepare you and mold you right. from, you know, just a snot nosed kid who thought the uniform looked cool to an actual soldier. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's similar to what he puts us through sometimes. Not right. that he designs I think what you're talking about are like in the context of persecutions. Right. Right. Like and prolonged hardships that would cause you grief. Correct. Those are two different things. I think right. what, what I'm talking about with hardship is a different thing than what I think you're referencing, like attacks from the enemy, attacks from the wicked, you know, mm-hmm. sorrow, things like that. I don't think he desires that for us, but I think he will press us. 
you know what I mean? Absolutely. Do whatever means yeah. necessary yeah. to 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 create in us that that level of commitment paired with the ability to follow through right. on the commitment. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's also too. I mean, to the matter of fact of you know, he might you know, there's things that he will allow to happen to us simply because he knows that he knows what's on the other side of that is what we need. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but he can't get us through that. We have, well, he can, I say that wrong. He can get us through that, but we have to go through it. Too. Correct. Right. Yeah. It's not just something like the matrix where he can just load it in our brain and we're ready to go. Right. We have right. to actually experience that. And you know, he could do that if right. he wanted to, but we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be children then. Right. Right. I think he wants us to be children with uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And if he just preloaded everything into each one of us, then we'd be the same person, just molded slightly different on the right. outside for, you know, the appearance mm-hmm. sake. You know what I mean? Right. He, he wants us to be individuals. Right. But well, he doesn't want to separate it from him either. Right. He, I think you, you, unique personalities all under the guise of, the Christian family is mm-hmm. what, is what, you know, or right. the ecclesia, right? Correct. We're, we're all different people in our own right, but we're all the same in Christ. I agree. Man, that was good. I should have saved that to the end. Well, I'll snap that out. <laughs> yeah, we'll make a shirt out of it or something. Yeah, that should have been your final thought, probably. Dang. We can, hopefully, the listeners will forget you said it by the time we get to the end and you can oh, say it again. I said it by the end, man. <laughs> <laughs> so this, does that mean that's going to be like, Three hours? No, it'd be typically. a couple hours probably. I don't know. That's basically three. No, two hours is not basically three hours. Well, it's it's two hours. A couple is two to three. A few can be like four to five. So, okay, two hours is just two hours. Okay, so three I, minus one. So I know this is a derailing moment, but I'm gonna have to argue with that. The definition of a couple is two. It's a pair. I don't. A few care. is three. I know that, but I don't want him to know that. Okay. That's I'm going to be a little bit on her. I'm going to be a little bit on her side today and a little bit on your side. Oh, okay. I'm going to play. Enough. I'm going to play both. This is what I do. I feel attacked. <laughs> My phone's buzzing. It distracted me. So, okay. So, back on track. Not to get it too. Enter into a little bit of a, of a more solemn phase. There's something I wanted to talk about, and it's sort of responsive to the current situation in the world mm-hmm. at that time of recording this has been really heavy on me and you know, i'll get to that in a second but the ukraine situation yep. the russian invasion and i, I don't know what it's going to look like by the time we upload this video or this uh not video this episode right now they're sort of holding holding the line i don't know how long that's going to last by the time this goes out they may have already fallen but what are your i guess thoughts feelings on what's going on i know that's sort of a it's a tough question it's a tough it's an question. question i mean there's potential there to take us you know right into a, a world war three situation yeah um, you know the economy's on the on a teeter-totter right now inflation's up you know that, that all leads to you know we just seems like the the pandemics exiting and this is entering right mm-hmm. so it almost feels this, like that was intentional right i hate to say mm-hmm. 
And uh, I mean, it's it's sombering to know that you know we're we're not that far from a generation that remembers that can remember famine, mm-hmm. that can remember not having items on the grocery shelf when you go. That I mean, you had to rely on your neighbor and your in in your community more because there the supply chain was all going to to fuel a war. Right. And the worst thing most people now have experienced is lack of toilet paper. Right. And that's not well, I mean it's it's, it's the truth. It's a sombering truth. Just reminds me of that COVID or like when COVID was first first starting, everyone was just frantically grabbing toilet paper. Well, and that's what I'm talking about. And that's you know, that's self induced. Right. But very few people alive know what it's like to to truly be without. Right. Or, I mean, yeah, or, or, or do for themselves even. Right. You know, I mean, this is a good question for Grace. How many, how many, including you, how many, how many people your age would know how to butcher a chicken? Um, you chop the head off. Yeah. Um, Beyond that, it'd be, try- I mean. You pull but, the feathers out. Right. So. How many of your friends do you think would really be aware I of that? I only know though? that because great grandpa. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, you know, I mean. And that's something, you know, like I said, that's, he wasn't too far off from that, you know, from that era, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, he knows what it's like. Right. He's passed that on, but. So, I mean, so the point was, you know, if we have to start relying on our neighbors and our communities, I feel very, very strongly that it's going to go south quick because we don't do that now. Yeah. There's no love in the world. There's no, even among Christians, there's no, there's not, there's a lack of, I shouldn't say there's no love. There's a lack of love. Yeah. There's a severe lack. Between, there's a famine of love. Yeah. Between, between each other and to, to people outside the congregation. Yeah. You know, so if you have a community that's supposed to be coming together, you know, in, to, in today's world, a, a silly thing like, and, a, and a, a silly thing like masks almost toppled whole communities because some people would wear them and some people weren't. Mm-hmm. How, how are you going to feel if if I'm growing tomatoes and you need my tomatoes and I need your chickens, but I don't agree with the way that you're raising your chickens? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Or you have some grudge from right. 10 years back that you refuse to let go of. It's, right, it's yeah. The, you use the right word, it's sobering. Right. And it's... It's deeply concerning to me. Right. And I don't think that as divided as the lines are now, I pray that this isn't the case, but something kind of struck, kind of struck me and I've heard it before, but I'll, it was repeated in a, in a, in broken records podcast, um, that, um, I would, you know, and Ronnie said, and I've heard this said before, I would never wish for another September 11th, mm-hmm. but I would wish for another September 12th America. <laughs> yeah. But you have to go through September 11th to get there, to get there. And, but, but even, and, and I agree with that mentality there, that sentiment that we all came together. We were all one community, but as divided as we are now, even, you know, 10 something years later. 11 years later I don't think going through another September 11th situation would unify us I don't either. even and I say that because 
there's people that are denying what's happening in Ukraine. Right? Oh, that can't be that bad. They're not. What? What's the? You know, what's Ukraine got to offer Russia? This like they're they, numb to it. They're numb to it. Yeah, like they're thinking like it's fake news. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not. So I'm just you know, and then so if you have one, if you have one group of people saying that something happened, and another group of people saying that don't in today's world, they're at war with each yeah. other automatically even before things get thrown down they're at war yeah i think so, i think september 12th in today's america would look more like riots mm-hmm. than coming together and let's be real the coming together then clearly wasn't genuine right or it would have lasted more than a few minutes, months and it didn't yeah uh, it worries me it worries me on multiple levels you know it, 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 as we record this the situation's deteriorating rapidly mm-hmm. there's reports of Putin sending in mercenaries to assassinate the entire government of Ukraine. There's his announcement that he's putting his nuclear service on high alert, threatening nuclear retaliation. Mm-hmm. They, you know, are sanctions rather than rather than taking action meaningful against the Russian military. We we implement sanctions that just punish the Russian population. They had nothing to do with it. Right. You know what I mean? Which is typical of the elites. You know what I mean? The the evil elites fight wars against each other and who always pays the price? Us. Us. Yeah. We always pay the price for their for their glory seeking. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. It's glory seeking. You know, I don't think I don't think people like that need a reason beyond their own desire for legacy. Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. At a spiritual level, my concern for what's happening, and I, you know, I'm not making proclamations, nor will I. I don't think that what we're seeing in Ukraine at present is a direct fulfillment of biblical prophecy. I will say this, though. The way it's unfolding, there is a very, very good possibility, stress that word possibility, that it is a prelude to a direct fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And we need to be mindful of that. I have a lot of Christian friends that are very, they almost have a, I don't know if I want to say a hostility to it, but a, a, a deep hesitancy to look into biblical prophecy. I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know why there's a stigma within some, some church groups about biblical prophecy now, but there is one. Right. And they feel like it's almost radicalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Abba dedicates a lot of his word to prophecy. Right. You know, end time prophecy specifically. And there's a reason for that. Right. I and think we need to be, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go finish your thought. We need to be mindful of it. And I guess I'm not ready to give my opinion on what's happening just yet, but I will say this. I think that we need to be aware of what could happen because being unaware, if something prophetic does occur, very deeply prophetic, especially related to end time events, which I think we're very close to, and you're ignorant of it, you run the risk of being taken completely off guard and that will damage your witness to non-believers. Right. It will damage it deeply. And I will just caution those of you, again, I'm not making proclamations, but I would encourage you, read Ezekiel chapter 38, study the names given in that prophecy, read it again, hold it in your heart, and watch. Just watch and see what happens. And if my suspicions or my concerns prove true, that this is a prelude to a fulfillment of those events, 
know that it's God that magnifies himself through it. It's God that verifies his word is true, and you need to stand upon that. And if you're a person who hasn't fully accepted his word is true yet, do so. When the shaking starts, do so. Right. While it's called today, while there's a chance, run to him. His arms are open, I promise you. His arms are wide open, but you have to surrender to him. You have to. And if you see something, if, if we're about to see something in our day that we wouldn't have believed if our grandfathers told us about it, if we bear witness to those events, we need to take our faith seriously and we need to shine the light so that others can see it too. Mm. What were you going to say? Well, I mean, you were, you were trying to put a stamp on, on why church churches and, and Christians in general have such a adversary to, to prophecy. Um, and I think it's because when you hear that word, it kind of get, you kind of, I think you get the image of the, the frizzy haired bum on the corner with the gun holding up a sign that says God is coming or the end is near. The end is near. And (laughs) that all kind of gets like lumped in together, you know, as uh, you know, as he's, you know, he's crazy. He's talking about the future and stuff. And I'm not saying that there's Christians that can predict the future. I'm saying that the Bible can. Right. And does. does. Yeah. And if you study it out, you're not going to know the exact timeline in the sense of you're not going to be able to call it like the end of, you're not going to be able to call the day and time of the end of the world. You'll know the timeline, Mm -hmm. but you, I mean, it'll come like a thief in the night, but you can realistically line up the events. Like you said, that are happening and kind of draw it, like make the conclusion that we're drawn to the end. Right. Right. So, but you know, but then you, but then somebody says that and they're like, Oh, you're, prophesying the end of the world what do you think god talks to you no you're going off the deep end with that i'm saying he told you about this but you've not studied it and i think that's kind of where you know you get the the mix of believers and non-believers and all the the prophesying and and you know speaking in tongues and fortune telling and all that stuff gets diluted all into in into the mystic arts mm-hmm. you know and then you know, what clearly God separated himself from in the Bible, fortune tellers, soothsaying, mystics, all the magicians and sorcerers separated himself from that. He gets mixed into that. Yeah. They treat it almost like it's radicalism <clears throat> just to to study his word, prophetic right. word included, and be aware and be ready. Mm-hmm. And, you know, be prepared to give warning when you see these events unfolding like I'm trying to do. I think there's right. a possibility, so I'm just giving that warning. Right. And be ready when those events do unfold because you knew about it, because you studied it, because you right. recognize what you saw to be like, look, this is what biblical prophecy foretold centuries ago, thousands of years ago. And it gives you a witness to speak to those who their entire life or lives were saying that, you know, the, the Bible was just nonsense and fairy tales. And now all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have this is point for point what was prophesied and this is point for point what occurred. You know what I mean? And you have a powerful testimony there. But if you just ignore all that, that's what I mean by it damages your testimony. Mm -hmm. If you're caught just as unaware as the atheist, (laughs) 
Right. How are you going to convince them of right. anything? And you almost run the risk of losing your own faith because you're mm -hmm. convinced that these things, I don't know, I don't want to go that far, but it, it just, it, it damages your testimony toward those on the other side of those events. There's a reason that Isaiah prophesied Cyrus the Great by name right. in chapter 44, by name. You know, I think, I believe it was a hundred years, a full century before he was born. Mm -hmm. Imagine if the prophets that came after had ignored the Isaiah scrolls, hadn't read that, hadn't been ready for when it happened, mm -hmm. right? History may have unfolded differently. Yep. It's not that he needs his workmen. He could do it on his own. He chooses to use us anyway, mm -hmm. and we need to be ready to be utilized by him. I, I read a thing earlier today, and I loved it, and it's, uh, it's kind of, it's in reference to what we've been, well, what we were talking about with the Sinai, Kevin. We'll get back to that, I promise, with our mm -hmm. intent series, but with uh, the craftsmen and the building of the tabernacle. And the point they made is, you know, God could have supernaturally made a tabernacle that would have just made every other structure known to man pale by comparison. Right. But instead, he chose to take craftsmen, his servants, and imbue them with ability and skill and give them the resources they need or they needed to build it for him. Right. That's how he chose to build the tabernacle. Right. I think, again, you, you see that. And even in that in that scenario, and in 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 life in general, you see the the servant versus us a, a son or daughter mentality is I mean one of the greatest joys of a parent is seeing your child succeed, right? Teaching them to do something, and then even if even if they do it better than you, they're succeeding, and mm -hmm. that's I mean I've I've he gets that same joy by seeing us succeed, you know? So again, yeah, he, he could have supernaturally built that, but I think he finds joy in seeing us succeed at that. I agree. You know, I he, took, he, took, he took joy in seeing, you know, their level of dedication and servitude and building that and level of skill. And then the finished product is, Hey, look at what, look at what my sons and daughters did, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I think that means more to him mm -hmm. as a father. And I guess, you know, the 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 transitional point of what I'm making for this is we need to be prepared. He, he you know, with regard to the spiritual tabernacle, building building the ecclesia, you know, drawing people to his light, bringing people into the kingdom. He could do that on his own. Often he does do that on his own, but often he chooses to give us the skill to do that on his behalf. To walk with him in that work to put our hand to the plow, to be workmen mm -hmm. and, and women in the field. You know, right. he doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. But we have to position ourselves or allow ourselves to be positioned to be equipped for the work. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Do you have any thoughts on that, Grace? Any thoughts on the situation? Um, I will say if it's not what you might, what you have an idea. My suspicion? Yeah. It could be more of the enemy trying to distract people because it's one bad thing right after another. It could be him trying to distract the followers of God to <clears throat> so distract them so then when the prophecy is actually fulfilled, they'll be too distracted to do anything about it. I think that's a good caution. I think they're trying to keep us in a low place mm -hmm. or keep us away from the repentance that God is shaking us toward. I actually had this, it's 
kind of funny you mentioned that because I actually had that concern strike me today that my worry is that this Ukraine situation is going to drum up patriotism. Even among believers and patriotism becomes a religion, becomes your God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that becomes your focal point in everything. You know, a country above everything, defeating the enemy above everything. And I believe that God is shaking us, and we'll get to this in a second why I believe this. I believe that God is shaking us to draw us to repentance, believers included. Because believers for centuries have been disregarding these these covenant expectations we've been talking about on this podcast for weeks. And I believe that's why he's shaking the the ecclesia, the churches in, in particular, non-believers obviously, because mm-hmm. they're just completely off the rails and reject everything, right? But he's shaking us unto repentance, and I worry that this is going to turn into the the golden cow that mm-hmm. gets held up to prevent us from seeking the repentance he's calling us to. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna spin this a little bit. So we just got done talking about, you know, it it must have been a false <clears throat> false sense of brotherhood that we had after sep- after September eleventh because it lasted mm-hmm. so it didn't last very long at all. No it did you not know, a couple six, seven months People were right back to where it was. But you say, you know, patriotism has, has, is draws, you know, gets, replaces, you know, your religion. It becomes your religion. Mm-hmm. So essentially, we put that as an idol in front of him. I now looking at it like that, I think the reason that the patriotism failed after 9 11 and didn't endure is because we didn't do it through faith. I agree. It was my brother, arm in arm, not my brother, arm in arm, and God, Mm -hmm. right? We continued to ignore him. We continued to systematically remove him from our society, from our families, from our schools, from our marriages, from everything. And here we are, we're on the, uh, the crent, and that's a very good, a very good, observation that you know this could be another situation where we're put are you going to draw near to me are you going to put your faith in man because your faith in man's your your fellow man as well intentioned as he is is going to fail you yeah every single time but i won't so to that point and this is the whole reason that i wanted to bring up this discussion in particular this week and you know like i said this situation in ukraine has been very heavy on me i can't Mm -hmm. I can't really put it into words. I, I'm I'm more at rest today, and I think maybe that's fr- from him knowing that I need I need some rest so I can speak as yeah. coherently as possible yeah. here. A little respite from it. Yeah, but for the the past couple of days before, like I said, I don't know how to describe it. There's been a heaviness, and I don't know if it's because where he has me now, I'm more I'm more sensitive to people's suffering than I was before, or if there's some sort of a spiritual shift that's occurred. Or a little bit of both. Uh, again, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. That's what I think. But it's just, I don't know. It's been, I, the only word for it that I can think of that that even comes close to describing it is heaviness. It's the mm-hmm. spiritual heaviness of the heart. And it's not like I haven't seen wars before, right? Or invasions or or circumstances overseas that were awful. Objectively, at this point in time of recording, it's not even the worst. ISIS is probably worse, objectively, you know what I mean, and right. what they did at this point. Right. But there's something different. And I was uh, was going through the news feed 
on everything occurring the other day. And something came up from Sean Hannity, and it was uh, it was a video that the Ukrainian president, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, put out. Man, I'm glad you can say that name. And now that I know how to pronounce it, I might be able to say it right, too. <laughs> I've read his name yeah. many times, and I'm like... The Ukrainian president, that guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the guy you know or somebody that you think you know their name, but you're not quite sure. So you go, Hey man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the guy from the you're like, yeah, Hey, president. <laughs> <laughs> so he did this video from the front lines of their capital Kiev, and uh it was it was just to inspire the people, right? Mm-hmm. The whole purpose of the video. But there was a quote in it, and there's a specific aspect that really hit me the spirit hit me hard right after i read it and i'll see if if you kind of put your finger on it too i'm curious and he said this quote we are all here our military are here citizens and society are here we are all here defending our independence our state and it will remain so glory to our defenders glory to our women defenders glory to ukraine end quote you didn't mention God once. I was going to see. I already told you, cheater. What? No, we no. I, what? <laughs> I don't remember that. Absolutely. She jumped to it before I did. I mean, we just, we got, we got, you know, that just kind of reiterates the point that I just made about, you know, we were, you know, fellowship, fellowship, brother, brother, you know, fellowship within the brother displaced, you know, us turning to God. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. There was a lot, there was a lot of you know, a lot of a religion returning to God aspect of it. But by and large, it was trust in your fellow man, mm-hmm. like trust in your man defenders, your female defenders, your country. Patriotism above patriotism all. Patriotism above all. And above, I'm not, above him. Above and him. And that's, you know, number two on the no-no list, right? I'm not character assassinating this guy i understand they're in a very difficult situation Mm -hmm. so don't don't take me wrong in my intention here i don't know him right but when i read that as soon as i got done reading it this this emotional wave hit me and i felt him breathe into my spirit these words glory to everyone but me that was what the spirit told me when I read that. That doesn't happen very often for me, right. but it did in that moment. And it it hit me hard. I almost I was in the middle of of our community kitchen here with people all around. I almost broke down. I had to fight back tears. It was hard. Like he hit me with a wave of emotion. Mm-hmm. Glory to everyone but me. And that's the problem. This is why we get shaken. This is why events such as this, regardless of the prophetic implications of it, are allowed to occur because mm-hmm. we don't have a heart to glorify him and we need to. Right. That's his desire for us. It's his demand for us. And he has the right to demand that. That's what he created us for. That's the only reason we exist. We're permitted to exist to walk in the cool of the day with him and to give him glory yep. like any child should. And we don't. We give glory to ourselves, we give glory to each other, we give glory to our country. We don't give glory to him first. First and foremost, where it should always be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read uh, a passage from Hebrews. 
And I think it fits this pretty well for why, right? Because like I said, this is why he shakes this because we're falling short, mm. right? It's because we fall short. Well, I already had it up. No, that's fine. No, that's fine. Don't click at me. I had it no, I was, in my app ready to go. I was clicking, so we're going to take a small break here because I'm on a sidebar. Oh, oh this, I see what you're Yeah, this is, this is my... Uh, Remember when I first said, like, you're going to find where we get into some, like, somber things, and the first thing I'm going to do is crack a joke. When you were like, I'm going to read something from <laughs> Hebrews, I immediately was going to be like, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like rifle. I, I, had to, I had to, like, fight it back, because I'm like, no, this is sports for sure. <laughs> Could I say something while you're pulling it up? Well, it's already up, but yes, you can yeah. say something. Okay. It. What kind of... I guess the imagery in my head is basically everyone's trying to push him away and just live lives without him. But I think it's getting to the point where he's, we've successfully, which isn't a good thing, pushed him away some. Mm-hmm. I think it's getting to the point that if we push him away anymore, then it'll just all fall. Yes. I think he wants to bless us, right? He wants us to live good lives. But you're right. We push him away. And I think at some point he has to show us that there is no life without him. Life without him is void and empty and meaningless. Mm-hmm. And it leads to a pit. And that's not what he wants from us. It's what the enemy wants. Right. But it's not what he wants. And I hate to see like situations like that occurring. But I think that's what we need sometimes. I think we need to go through those hardships to get to the kingdom of God because we're so rebellious mm-hmm. and we're so, we're just so stubborn. Right. We're so stubborn. You know, the, what is, what does the prophet say? The, I forget where it's at. The best of us is a briar. There's a lot mm-hmm. of truth in that. Yep. I know I am. I wish I wasn't. I wish it weren't so, but it is. And it took violent shaking from him, obviously not in a war, but internally, for him to to draw me back, I'll openly right. admit that and be transparent about it. It took a shaking to get me to come home to him. It shouldn't right. have, and I'm guilt stricken over that that it took that much, but it did. And I firmly believe that situations like this occur for the same reason, yep. because we're not giving glory to him, and it's going to continue to occur until we do, until right. we humble ourselves, until we surrender to him. Right. So I'm going to read. Did you have something else? No, I have a, I have a good analogy. Go ahead. I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna save it till the end. Oh, okay. It's a good, I think it's that. It, it might be that good. Oh, so that's I'm gonna exciting. save it. That's exciting. <laughs> so it's Hebrews chapter twelve, and this is right after, uh, obviously chapter eleven, but that's the 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 chapter that goes through all the 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 giants of the faith, mm-hmm. right? It goes through Abraham and and all these these you know, high points of, of faith that we have throughout the biblical narrative, these individuals that, that were truly committed to God, mm-hmm. right? And this is in the context directly after that thought in chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 1 through 15, and it says this, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also get rid of every weight and entangling sin. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, focusing on Yeshua, Jesus, the initiator and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary in your souls and lose heart. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed. I'll pause there and point out that in some places that's not true anymore. And that's the problem, that we, we've pushed it to the point where that's necessary. Continuing in verse 5, Have you forgotten the warning addressed to you as sons? My son, do not take lightly the discipline of Yahweh, or lose heart when you are corrected by him, because Yahweh disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he accepts. Or daughter, Grace, don't worry. You're not left out, So I was trying to say. I think- Context is children, his children. He disciplines his children. But, I mean, you kind of think of that as a bad thing. You don't want it, but I think it comes back right back down to the refining. Like, if you didn't have it, then you couldn't do all these great things that he wants you to do. I agree. Mm-hmm. And when we fall short, we need discipline. And mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing. And actually, the author here gets to that. So, continuing in verse 7. It is for discipline that you endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son does a father not discipline? But if you are without discipline, something all have come to share, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Besides, we are used to having human fathers as instructors, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Indeed, for a short time they disciplined us as seemed best to them, but he does so for our benefit, so that we may share in his holiness. One to just pause and and ask you to remember that for the bottom half because that's going to be important for our discussion of the body in the bottom half. Does so for our benefit so that we may share in his holiness. Now all discipline seems painful at the moment, not joyful, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame will not be pulled out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with everyone, and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and see to it that no bitter springs, no bitter root springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That's where I'm going to stop. And the reason I read that is just to highlight, in a very poetic fashion, why we see this sort of discipline. And it's because we do fall short. And we're falling short right now. At a global scale, we are falling short, woefully short. Like you referenced, Chris, it's it's a famine of love in the world. There's a famine of righteousness in the world. Mm -hmm. There's a famine of pursuing God's truth in the world. And I think he's at the end of his willingness to tolerate it. And I I don't think we've reached the point at which I can point, I don't think we've reached the stage where I can point out and say that that proves it, but I think we're getting very close. If things continue to deteriorate like they could, and it's going to be because we refuse to accept the discipline. So I want to reread one line, Grace, and see if you recognize it. You put it on the spot. No, you'll understand here in a second. It's verse 12, and it says, it's a quote. It's a quote from an earlier passage. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Do you remember what it is? From what book it is? Do you remember what reference that is? No, but I 
It's very familiar. You read it recently, right? Isaiah? It's Isaiah chapter 35. Oh, the one I really flipped, flipped to. Can you say that again? Because I didn't even understand what you just said. <laughs> the one I randomly flipped to. Yes. So I'm going to transition a little bit here to a, a little bit of a more brighter, of a more bright, of a brighter. A little bit more of a bright topic. A little bit more. It's there you go. No, Dad. All you is say grammatically correct. No, all you say is I it's a little know. brighter of a subject. A brighter of a subject. That's good. That's good. It's a good way to put it. It's about confirmations. So, at worship service the other day, Grace was randomly flipping in her Bible. I do that a lot. And I think it started because she didn't want to be there. She was a little irritated. If we're being transparent, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to stay home and eat ice cream. Yeah, and eat ice cream. Okay. She's 12. Hey. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I wouldn't want to do and stay home and eat ice cream, too. I have ice cream at home, to be fair, for myself. So So do I. I have Baskin Robbins. Yeah, that's good stuff. So at one point, she flipped straight to Isaiah chapter 35, and something, she just felt like she needed to show me. Right, so she very awkwardly and weirdly, like she has the Bible sitting next to her, right? And she like spins it real slow and dramatically so it's <laughs> facing me and then pushes it real slow. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's like secret code. Yeah, so and no then, one, like you just so kept, nobody you just kept, like, sees that we're doing like, this. I saw you yeah. looking over and you just, kept, you just looked straight again. I'm like, Dad. <laughs> I was looking over to see if your attitude had adjusted. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but have then you any. did that and it just got weird. So let me pull this up. So. Just to give a little context to the situation. And by the way, I had planned on going through Hebrews 12 in this discussion already. Right. Right. And, and again, this reference is in Hebrews 12 quotes from Isaiah 35. And this, you know, she did this. This was like two days ago at the time of recording. And, you know, when I saw this, when I'm going through Hebrews 12 and I see that, it was just like, it's like that final nail. It's like, oh, my goodness. This is crazy. I, yeah. sh I showed so, him Sunday. Huh? I showed him Sunday. Yeah, but saying the same thing is it? Is it? Well, I guess I said a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was one day ago. It was yesterday. At the time of recording, it was one day ago. I try not to use days on here because people could be listening to this any day of the week. But if it's a year later, then it's not a couple of days. It was a day ago. You are factually correct, Grace. It was a day ago. Thank you. And this will be the first and last episode that you appeared on. So I hope everybody's enjoyed, Grace. Yeah. This will be the last time. Don't worry. Yeah. I'll, I'll steal it and I'll make my own podcast. <laughs> call it okay. the, I'll call it the Philly Faith Jr. Philly Faith Jr. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's good. I got to say, that might be a spinoff at some point. That's pretty good. You can you can bring on Abigail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll need more kids, but I like She's it. She's got a loud voice. So in the context, I was... Before she pushed the this reference over to me. I read it. What? I read it. Oh, okay. I thought that you were going to say I read it. Okay. I, I read it to myself. I'm but sorry. You get into the weeds. Deep into the weeds. <laughs> like you've, you've gotten through the meadow and you're in the woods now. So let's just calm down. A woods stop a for a second. Place. Okay. Stop for a second. Okay. So I was dealing with some, some anxiety hit me out of nowhere just sitting there. It was mm -hmm. weird. And I was praying about it. And I was, I know my, my wife deals with anxiety as well. So I was sort of praying, you know, if, if she was dealing with it, I looked over and it, it looked like she was too. 
So I prayed for her that it eased. I, 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 you know, I thought maybe I was feeling what she was feeling to kind of prod me into prayer for her. That's happened before. So I'm praying about that. And while I'm praying about, I use the word anxious heart. And it hit me that David in the Psalms prays about God easing his anxious heart multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I'm having this conversation with God in prayer. And I'm like, David dealt with this, right? Right. And I felt him like, yeah, he absolutely did. The great David, he dealt with it. You know what I mean? It was right. just, it was sort of comforting. I sort of just left the conversation at that. It was, it was weird. I prayed this. And then two minutes later, she pushes this Bible over to me, open to that reference. And let me pull this up real quick. Okay. So I'm going to go, I'm not going to read this entire chapter. I'm just going to, I'm going to read the the parts that are relevant to this conversation on confirmation because right. it was just wild. So I'm just going to read verse three through four. And it says, strengthen the limp hands. Make firm the wobbly knees. That's the reference that the author to Hebrews quotes. And then verse 4 says, Say to those with anxious heart, Be strong, have no fear, behold your God. Vengeance is coming, God's recompense it is coming, then he will save you. And then I see this double confirmation. Because that's what it turned into. Right. At that time it was just that singular, the anxious heart things would jump out at me at the time. I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's awesome. And then I read this from Hebrews 12, which I'd already planned on digging into, and it turned into a double confirmation. And just to add another element, the day before that, I believe it was, I was talking to Micah, and the topic of the greater exodus came up, and we were we were discussing that in relation to the Ukraine prophetic events where it could be leading. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get too deep into what that is. It's uh, you know, it's it's a prophetic event. Eschatologists refer to it as the greater exodus. It's it's the the end gathering of the people to the new Jerusalem after the return of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And prophecy tells us it's so, so large scale and so miraculous that it'll make us forget about the first exodus, just to give you an idea of the scale that he's talking about with this. But we were talking about that, and that chapter, chapter 35 of Isaiah, is a prophetic context. It's an mm-hmm. end times prophetic context, and that's essentially, essentially what he's describing, is the greater exodus. So we have this additional confirmation and I, I just want to look at a verse there because I think it's worth talking about for a second on what that greater exodus will look like. And it's verse eight. And he says this, a highway will be there, a roadway. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it. It is for the one who walks the way, end quote. So that's how it describes this. The way of holiness, the unclean won't be on it. And it's for those who walk the way. That's pretty impactful, right? Right. A little bit sobering even, I mm-hmm. would say. And the reason I would say that is because we'll, we'll get into it on the bottom half of the episode. We're going we're gonna to dive into that more. So just remember that reference for now. Okay. Okay. We'll just, we'll expand on that later, if that's okay with yep. you. But it didn't end there. Yeah, that's, as if that's not enough. We have these, you know, three confirmations in that one reference. So that night... Grace is out of the room and I'm telling Steph, my wife, about this. And I'm flipping to Isaiah chapter 35 to show her, you know, this this first half of this confirmation, like, right. like how he, I believe, God had spoken through her, mm-hmm. right? And I flipped straight to Isaiah 33 and something jumped out at me about that and just I felt like I needed to read that. 
I go ahead and I, I flip over to 35 and I come back to it later. And chapter 33 is in the same prophetic context, right? And it's describing the new Jerusalem after the return. Let me flip to that chapter and read this one reference. Actually, before I read that reference, because I think it's better to do it in this order, do you remember the picture you drew at the same worship service? Mm -hmm. So just describe that picture that you drew. She was doodling. It helps her to, she claims it helps her to focus and to listen and to concentrate on what's being said if she doodles. I don't know if I believe her, but so I accommodate I, her anyway. The both of them? Or the just boat, the just one? the boat. So I first drew a boot boat, but then I decided to draw another one. <clears throat> and so I drew it out on sea, but I decided not to draw any oars with it. And so the little message that I, drew, that I wrote on the bottom was, um, God will set you in the right direction. Go out into the sea without the oars. Correct. So it's a boat, no oars with that message. She drew that at the worship service. Okay. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 20 through 21 says this. Look upon Zion, city of our festivals. Your eyes will see Jerusalem as a quiet home, a tent that will never be folded. Its stakes never pulled up, its cords never broken. For there the majestic one, Yahweh, will be for us, a place of rivers and wide canals on which no boat with oars will go, nor any mighty ship will travel by. Mm -hmm. Of mm -hmm. all the statements, no boat with oars will go. Are you processing? Yeah, that's... So it's, you know, mo I, morning worship service. She draws that picture. Correct. And then that night you're drawn... Flipping, flipping through the second, third confirmation, mm -hmm. you're you're, show given, my wife. you're given, yeah, you're given yet again something pulls you to that. That's correct. All these circumstances that lined up perfectly for all that to occur. It's just a bunch of coincidences. Bag of man. coincidences, and I'm bringing this up for a reason. This isn't boasting. I just wanted that. That's an example of of a confirmation. Right. right. When we talk about confirmations, this is what I'm talking about. We've had these confirmations since we started this podcast. Even when we were we were still Restoration Roundtable, we were seeing this stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's always what I've taken it as, is just confirmations, just sort of like God winks. Right? Right. Hey, this is the direction I want you to go. Hey, yeah, you know, I'm here. But when I, I was sort of meditating on all these confirmations, because, I, you know, that's just one example. I could probably give you hundreds. And, you know, there's examples that I won't give on here because, it, you know, it wouldn't probably make sense to anybody but me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they're, they're so well designed. And it, it requires such perfect and precise timing. Right? right. And it hit me with a revelation. And that it's, it's beyond just a God wink. It's confirmation right that he orders all of our steps i really feel like that's what he was telling me through all this right when i look back at all these confirmations i feel like what he's been trying to tell me all along is that he establishes every step you take if you surrender to him it's just it's sort of mind-blowing right? right. for me anyway you know these confirmations 
that I've been experiencing, they defy logic. Right, the, the logistics of alignment through multiple people and sources and timing at such a frequent pace, it, it requires a design that only he could orchestrate. Right. Like only God could orchestrate this. And, it, you know, it, it, sometimes it requires him setting me at the right place at the right time with this other person at the right place at the right time or writing and publishing something at just the right time or getting the right thing. All of this stuff lining up for that one moment that you'll recognize it was from him. Right. And how could he do that if he wasn't establishing every step we take? Yep. You see what I mean? It, it, mm -hmm. It's almost like, I, you know, I don't like the word predestination, but it draws close to that. Right. Right. I don't believe in predestination in the sense that, you know, he, he writes the whole story for us. I think he writes I, our paths. I do, too. And he I knows he knows when they're he knows when they're going to cross and where they cross with other paths. And then it's up to us to, you know, a lot of people could have experienced the same exact thing you did and not if they weren't attuned to that. They would just they they would either just dismiss it or they wouldn't even pick up on it. Right. They'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that rings, that rings a bell, but they would just move on with their lives. Right. Right. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying so. I, I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm saying that if you're not getting confirmations from God, you're just, you're not getting it. Well, I don't think that's entirely true. You know, I think he speaks to us in different ways. You just need to find, or you need to be, meditate, pray, and find the way he's given you his confirmation. Right. I right. think, I think we tend to drown his voice out. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, or just dis distract. Right. Like we talked about earlier, we distract ourselves from it. So we don't see it, but I'm telling mm -hmm. you it's there. He's through, through this revelation, he's really taught me to expect this, to expect him to, to direct my steps and to surrender to it. Right. Well, I think that's also too, because you, I mean, you've changed your heart. You've surrendered, You've are are at least working towards fully surrendering your heart to that, right? Right. Whereas before, I mean, to your to your own, what's the word? To your own proclamation, you weren't there. Mm -hmm. Your heart wasn't ready, so he had to get you through those refining moments to get you ready for these confirmations now. Correct. Like if you had been if you had been on the same path and not diverged from your path before, you might not be as open to these confirmations that you're having now. Correct. Right. Yeah, absolutely. He he directs our course, but it's it's in the direction of transformation and sanctification. Mm -hmm. Right. And we'll 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 dig into that a little bit more in the bottom half, but for now I want to leave leave us with this. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, and it's a very famous reference. Everybody probably knows it or has mm -hmm. heard it at some point. It says, they who wait on Yahweh will renew their strength. They will soar up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint, end quote. It's an awesome, powerful quote. Mm -hmm. the, the word wait there, it's a really interesting word. And in Hebrew, it conveys a little bit more than I think the English wait does. Wait in English, we just sort of think of 
I just like we're sitting in the doctor's office in the waiting room. You know what I mean? We're just we're just sitting still. Right. Is really all we think of. And the Hebrew is daba, is the Hebrew word. And it's more than just waiting. It's 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 an eager and action oriented expectation. It's really what it conveys. And in the context of this verse from Isaiah, it, it's it's really knowing it's a it's a it's a knowing that God will act and being ready to spring into action when he does. It's really what it conveys there, mm-hmm. knowing he will act with the readiness to to act when he does, mm-hmm. to be in step with him. And I would say that when we look at the imagery given here, what we're being told is, and this ties into what I'm talking about directing the, directing our steps, he gives us our wings, right? He designs us to fly like an eagle. Right. But he's the wind that gives us flight. Without him, we're just stationary. Right. He directs our course. And we, you know, whether you're surrendered to it or acknowledge it or not, that's true. That doesn't just become true when you acknowledge it. It's true no matter what. Mm-hmm. But man, your faith comes alive when you see it. Right. And you surrender to it. That brings you to a whole a whole different level. Right. Right. Not as an individual, not in your own work, but just in understanding him and being in love with what he really does for us behind the curtain. Right. <laughs> so I think with that I'm gonna I'm gonna close out this top half of this week's episode. And we're gonna take a short break, but while we do that, we'll be playing this week's featured song, and it's called Ladies and Gentlemen by West Blaze. I hope you enjoy it. Catch you on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, girls. babies and citizens, citizens. it's joy to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, babies and citizens, it's joy to the world. I bring a message of the truth amidst a world full of lies. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all the babies and citizens, it's joy to the world. I bring a message of the truth amidst a world full of lies. I know the way, I know the life, I know the hurt that's in your eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all the babies and citizens, it's joy to the world. I know that people let you down in the world, it's a scary place, but hope can be found in the saving amazing grace. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all the babies and citizens, it's joy to the world. I bring a message of the truth amidst a world full of lies. I know the way, I know the life, I know the hurt that's in your eyes. I know people let you down in the world, is a scary place. Hope can be found in the saving amazing grace. Gather round, listen close, and I'll tell you what matters. This world is temporary, yes, what comes next is hereafter. You have a choice to do what's right or collect a disaster. Who will you be when you're standing right next to your master? I'll break it down for you one more thing, though. I'm no longer worried how the diamonds in my chain glow. I don't get down with all the music on the radio. And nowadays my focus isn't stacking up a bankroll. Ain't nobody saying that this faith walk a cakewalk. Gotta shake off all that hate that they talk. And I don't sleep talk, I just make the weight walk. 
Cause everybody wanna be the same Gotta break off Go ahead and turn all that Lil Wayne and Drake off Let the old burn away and you can wipe the slate off Don't worry about the people in your wake They don't flake off Let them know you love them But you gotta take the fake off If they don't wanna get it It don't gotta be a face off Plant the seed with patience and just pray Because it pays off Ladies and gentlemen Boys and girls and other babies and citizens, it's joy to the world. I bring a message of the truth amidst the world for the lies. I know the way, I know the life, I know the hurt that's in your eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and other babies and citizens, it's joy to the world. I know that people let you down in the world. It's a scary place, but hope can be found in the saving amazing grace. All the teachers teaching, can you please just turn the speakers up? It's another speaker's turn to speak the truth, nobody's speaking up. So let me speak some words nobody else can seem to speak enough. You can find it if you seek it, it's no secret that the secret's up. So really keep the visual, really keep it critical. So many of the things that they teach are really fictional. Might seem conventional, maybe deemed traditional. But meanwhile, anything biblical is mythical? I don't even really mean to be so cynical. But how does anyone believe a big bang? Pitiful. This thing evolved into this thing? Despicable. Why are all these theories scientifically admissible? Time is of the essence. So what's the lesson? Are we checking the curriculum with no second guessing? And to the message that we're stressing here, does God give us blessing? I can't help but get impressions. We were born to be destined. Like there was more to be questioned. It's like a war for our spirit. So I'm sending out a call and I hope that you hear it. We got this book here saying this look here in your ear. Making this good book disappear and it's clear. I graduated from learning lies to seeking truth. Indoctrinated to be too blind to see the proof. I once was lost but now I'm found so I shine light. And everywhere I go is darkness so I shine bright. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and all the babies and citizens. It's joy to the world. I bring a message of the truth amidst the world full of lies. I know the way, I know the life, I know the hurt that's in your eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and all the babies and citizens, it's joy to the world. I know that people let you down in the world is a scary place, but hope can be found in the saving amazing grace. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, boys and girls, babies and citizens, it's joy to the world, it's joy to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, And we're back. Again, that was Ladies and Gentlemen by Wes Blaze. Thanks for listening. So, Chris, I kind of stole your your time and space for the open, oh, the, the right. normal open discussion. That's all right. On the top half. So, I'm going to give matters. you. Yes. Yeah. But I'm going to give you a few minutes here to take whatever time. You would like to have to discuss whatever's been on your heart this week. Right on. What what grinds my gears? Yes. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's been this week um, per se. But uh, so I've been doing some thinking about our roles um, on Earth. And come to the conclusion and again i'm i'm not going to invent reinvent the wheel here this is kind of common knowledge that if you exist you are a son or daughter and there's scientific fact tells us so <laughs> right 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 you were born and so that in fact makes you a son or daughter okay and i will i will preface this with i was thinking in terms of just like the male role, which kind of sh- it kind of shifted my whole when when you told me Grace was going to be on, so I was like, oh, I kind of shifted my thinking, but not much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was 
mine was the role of, you know, of course, the, the one guaranteed role is you are a son, but then, uh, well, our daughter. And then there's two more roles that odds are you're going to have, but it's not necessarily everybody absolutely has them. And the next would be a, a, um, and this was all really good in my head. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. But now it's kind of falling apart. Is a father or or husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Or, and then the, the third would be, again, it's not guaranteed, but odds are it's going to happen in your lifetime. A, a parent, a mother or father. Right. Right. So kind of defining those roles within, um, you know, within Christianity and and the world. Um, and this all came about with, you know, I was, someone told me that the, one of the, one of the issues that they have with Christian men is they don't like strong Christian women mm-hmm. or strong women in general. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I mean, there's times where I'm like, you know, I look at the strong women in my life. I'm like, hey, can you teach me something? You know, like, so I, I, I don't know what brought that up. But then it got me thinking, you know, what what, what our what our roles are. More specifically, um, it, it brought me back to the first is the guaranteed of is if you are in existence, you are a, fa- or a son or daughter, right? So, and of course, that leads to, you know, the fifth commandment of honor thy father and mother. Right. Which is a topic for me that kind of sticks in sticks in my head a lot for, for more personal reasons than I care to get than I care to share right now. Um it kind of you know, it kind of goes back to where we had the our roles as as husbands. Um and the verse was it's always brought up, right? Consistently, you know, wives, honor your husbands. And yeah, submit and, and obey, then and that's submit it. and obey, and then we stop, and then that's it. Like it's all, you know. But you know that goes back to honor that father and mother. And I think for a lot of Christians, even younger Christians, that's kind of viewed as do whatever I say when I say it, and don't question me, mm-hmm. right? And that's you know just honor your father and mother. Right. But so and, and I guess my loaded question is, is like, what, what does that term mean? Honor that father and mother, especially for Christians that either they grew up a certain way, whether it's in the church or out of the church, and now they've come to, to know God, but their mother and father don't in the same way. Mm-hmm. So how do you biblically honor your father and mother? Like, I guess it comes down to what is your, like, what is your definition of that, that commandment? Right. Honor your father and mother. Right. I think it's more about, and it's, it's actually, and it's, it's actually really fitting that grace is on here. Cause I'm like, well, you know, what's that mean to you, you know, versus what it means to us and then what it means to us as Christians as our heavenly father. Right. Right. Cause it would be very hard to honor your heavenly father or, you know, I don't say or mother, if you don't honor your father and mother on earth. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that 
to me, that doesn't mean just do whatever they say, right? So, sorry to interrupt. No, you're yeah, good. go ahead. Do you have thoughts on that, Grace, before I give my answer? About honoring your father and mother? Yeah, what does that mean to you? So, specifically for earthly, I would say when it comes to honoring, not doing everything they say, if depending on what it is, mm-hmm. because there might be something that, I mean, there are people where children end up falling to faith and coming to God when their parents don't want them to, which that would be a thing that you don't want to follow them on because you want to reach God. Like parents trying to lead their children away from God, you mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what that means, what honoring your father, mother, father and mother means to me is, I guess, respecting them, respecting what they have to say, but then if it is something that's bad, than not going and just doing it. More of keeping keeping your opinion, but not going as saying things like you're you don't know anything, mm-hmm. but st- still not going and just blindly doing what they say. I guess that was you, go ahead. You can. Uh, this is something that you know was instilled to me is you can disagree with your parents but the manner in which you disagree with them greatly defines your answer that you're going to get from them right you know if you just like you said you don't know nothing you're Mm -hmm. dumb that's not going to get a response of you know hey i don't understand why you ask me to do this you know what i mean yeah i know exactly it's the it's the the intent of the questioning because it's it's funny that you bring this up actually because this came up in our bible study this last week and you pretty much said, Grace, what I would have said. It's it's honoring your father and mother is more a matter of respect, 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 as opposed to blind obedience. And, you know, respect dictates your demeanor, too. And I think that's right. what you're talking about. Your your manner of disagreeing with them if they are leading you astray, the demeanor matters, matters right. with, with proper respect. But the the example that came up for us... And I the the chapter eludes me. It's two kings, but I can't remember the chapter. But it's it's the story of King Joash and his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And his grandmother was Queen Atalia. What's her name? She was extraordinarily wicked. She was very evil, beyond redemption evil. She had mm-hmm. no desire for repentance at all. She was leading Judah into sin. And it says specifically that her son, Joash's father, I forget his name too. I apologize. I don't have any to do this mm-hmm. in front of me. But but it says that he did wickedly in the sight of, I'm paraphrasing, he did wickedly in the sight of Yahweh at the leading of his mother, Atalia. So what it's essentially saying is that Atalia taught him to defy Yahweh, to forsake the law, to forsake God, and to follow after idols. His mother taught him that. And this was the question I asked at the Bible study. Was he honoring his mother, Atalia, by obeying her? Was he in compliance with the fifth commandment? Mm-hmm. I would right? And I, I get it. It's, it's sort of a leading question. I would, I mean, in a sense, and this is, this is kind of where I think you're kind of hitting on the same thing that I am. You're not real. If he, if he, if he was called to, to idol worship by his mother and did it, you're not really honoring your father and mother because honoring them would be respecting them mm-hmm. and their relationship with God. 
to the point where you would say you're wrong about this. That's a good, that's a good response. Like you're not, you're not, are you fully honoring somebody if you're just doing what they say or you're not art art versus trying to get them to do what God says. Right. Trying to lead them to a salvational type of faith. I hadn't really approached it from that angle. That's a very good response. My, my answer was from a different angle, objectively, worldly, yes, I believe that her son did honor her by obeying her. But my response was, there's a reason that when we look at the Ten Commandments, and that's, that's the Fifth Commandment, when we look at the Ten Commandments, the apex commandments at the very top are about honoring God, mm-hmm. not taking his name in vain, following him appropriately, worshiping him in the, in the prescribed way. And then after that is honor your father and mother. And then these commands related right. to how we treat our neighbor. Because in my opinion, if, if complying with the, the bottom half of those commandments leads us to in, in, be in rebellion with complying with the top half, which is honoring God, then we need to defer to the top half. We always should defer toward honoring God above all else. Right. Right. But I really like your approach to that, that really at a spiritual level, honoring your father and mother is leading them to a salvational faith. I really, I honestly, I like your approach to that, to the answer to that question better than my own. Right. And that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I landed on was that, you know, if they're, if they're not on the right path, you, you define the path that they're on or the path that they're trying to lead you on is not is not dishonoring them. It's actually honoring them. If if you draw them near to God, you're honoring them right away through defiance. You're honoring them. Mm-hmm. And so correct me if I'm wrong on this. And again, demeanor, demeanor yeah. through that whole process matters too. Yeah. So this, this kind of shows my, you know, my lack of the Bible or lack studying thereof, but aren't the, the, the first four commandments, aren't they written on the first tablet and then the last six are on the second tablet? That's how we always have it presented to okay. us in images. I don't know if we're actually told okay. in the, in, in the, the, the text, what the tablets look like or, but anytime you have any imagery of it, you know, and this goes back to ancient times, we always have it presented that way. Yes. Right. that on the one hand is, are the commandments related to honoring God? On the other hand, are the commandments related to, to loving and honoring our neighbor, our neighbor, or, you know, our, our parents, our spouse, you know, right. just any neighbor. Love, yeah. So that's kind of where I, you know, I, I always, to sum it up, which I hate doing, but I do it anyways, <laughs> is the, the, the first, the first four are how to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then the second half is how to love thy neighbor. Right. I think, yeah. Which are the, which, which we've talked about that. Those are the two principles that they're hung on right Mm -hmm. you can go back you can take them group them into these categories group those into smaller categories and eventually you get back to love god with all your heart mind and soul and love thy neighbor correct that's essentially what what yeshua jesus is doing there he's quoting from leviticus and deuteronomy with you know love god with all your heart and love you love your neighbor as yourself and and a very good argument can be made that those two commands summarize the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. right? And the Ten Commandments summarize every other commandment. And then he follows that up by saying that on these hang all the law and the prophets. So those that that take the approach that 
some of these laws apply to us and we can just discard these other things. That's not what he said, though. It's not what our Messiah said. Our Messiah says that the whole law and prophets hang on those two commands. So he's not saying the only two commands that matter now are love God, love neighbor. He's saying the whole law hangs on those. That's those are mm-hmm. those are those describe and summarize the law, and the fullness of the law explains to us how we live that out in practice. Mm-hmm. And when you treat his law like a buffet, picking and choosing what is pleasing to you at the time, we're not really fully loving God or loving neighbor, not from his perspective at least. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that sort of comes down to holiness. Right. And how he defines holiness. Right. It's got to be his definition, not ours. Right. And so, you know, people listening that know me, you know, outside the podcast, I don't want them to think that I'm, you know, I'm calling out my parents that they don't walk a godly life. Um, My parents are difficult, (laughs) (laughs) as all parents are. Um, But what I'm saying, though, is, you know, I don't think that were I don't think those words are as are represented as blindly obey. I think there's a there's a certain res like a respect aspect to it. Yeah, you know, like I I will always you know you are my father, you are my mother. That's who you are. But God is my all father, mm-hmm. right? He's He's the maker and creator of my life. So if if anything is goes against that, then it's my job honoring my father to to do that. Correct. To 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 live in a way that, you know, it might be in defiance to you, but I'm trying to show you how to live. Right. By reflecting him. Well to repeat the the crux of what we discussed at the end of the top half of this episode, our steps need to be in line with him, mm-hmm. right? We need to let him direct our course. We need to be in step with him. And anytime anybody tries to pull us out of step with Yahweh, we need to remain in step with him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who that leads us to be out of step with in our earthly life. Right. You know, mother, father, husband, wife, it doesn't matter. We need to be in step with him. Right. That is first and foremost. You know, what did what did he say? Those who who aren't willing to forsake mother and father aren't worthy of me. Yep. He's not he's not saying defy the fifth commandment. He's saying follow me first. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Above all else. Yes. Follow me first. And when you kind of think about it, honoring your father, like the I mean it's obviously on your father and mother, but just like focusing on the father part, technically isn't part of that for um honoring God. I think an argument can be made that uh, you know an underlying spiritual implication there is that we should honor the Father, That's right. which is God. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think there is a spiritual implication there. Right. I think in every command we have a spiritual implication. Yeah. I think I think that's a good point. I will say to that point, I did kind of trod down the path a little bit of, you know, it's he didn't word it, obey or honor your mother and father. He obey. He said, "Obey your father and mother," and I kind of got down the rabbit trail, and I got yanked off of it pretty hard. I won't explicitly say how, but it was he put father for first for a reason, mm-hmm. and I and I was kind of like playing with that in my mind, like you know, like you said, every word of the Bible was put in place because it needs to go in that order, right? right? With intent, mm-hmm. with it has intent, 
but I, but I don't think the intent of putting father first there had any implication. But I will say that, but that did echo in the back of my mind that, you know, if we're showing, if we're radiating God's love to our neighbor, and, you know, and there's like a hierarchy, right? Friends, mm-hmm. neighbors, or neighbors, friends, however you want to do that, then your family, and then God. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, you were probably right to to defer away from that because it, it's it, that's probably explainable by the fact that Hebrew is a very male centric language. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's chauvinistic; it's just male centric. That's why you see, like in that reference from Hebrews twelve earlier, um, disciplining sons. It's a it's a quote from a Hebrew text, and it's sons is you know Ben or or Benay, depending on on if it's added to another word. It's male centric. The implication is children. Right. Daughters are included there. Mm-hmm. Women are included there. It's just how the it's just how the language is is framed. Right. Right. So that's probably why we have that father mother yeah. dynamic. There is right. probably not any hidden meaning. Right. It's just the language framing. And a, a small rabbit trail off of that is actually to me. This is another example of God giving us a blueprint of what he thinks the platonic family i guess platonic's not the right word he's given us a template of the family the nuclear family the nuclear family the not father and father not mother Mm -hmm. and mother not father and father and mother it's it the template was was designed around a couple yes a man and a woman coming together through god family oriented yes it's father as the head of the household working in perfect partnership with his spouse to rightly guide their children right that is the biblical intent right and as humans we fail i've failed to work in perfect partnership with my wife many times Mm -hmm. i've failed to rightly guide my children many times my children have failed to rightly respect and honor me many times oh faith (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just faith. Yeah. Just faith. <laughs> nice. But that is the intent. Right. Right. That is the 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 biblical intent. That's the the goal that he's pointing us to mm-hmm. as a family is to strive for perfection in that. Right. Knowing we won't necessarily attain to it. But mm-hmm. to be willing to acknowledge our faults when they arise and correct them and to apologize. Right. So many parents, I think, have this attitude that they can't apologize to their children when they do wrong, you know, in their in their presence mm-hmm. or toward them. And I think one of the most important things you can do for your children to give them that good example is to acknowledge when you mess up and to apologize for it. Right. I didn't used to be very good at that, but I think I've gotten better at, at that with time. Can mm-hmm. I add something to go on that? Yes, this is a podcast. You can uh, you can speak. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Something else is to be forgiven, you have to forgive others. Correct. And if you want to be forgiven by God, then you have to be able to forgive those who have wronged you. And children and parents are involved in that. Any family member is. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to apologize in front of them. I agree. Love mm-hmm. and forgiveness has to start with your your family at home. If you can't be loving and forgiving toward them, then everything else that you do outside of the home is fake. 
if you can't if you can't do it with with your family at home with your wife with your with your husband with your children then you're not really doing it with anyone right. you're just putting on a good show yep. and that's transformation right that's what we're talking about with with transformation to that point it's a good segue at the beginning of the episode i asked i i quoted acts chapter 14 verse 22 and i asked what that meant to you and my answer is really on point with yours, Grace. It's really the same thing. I, I believe it's a matter of refinement. I think we all need to be refined. I know we all need to be refined, every single one of us. But that requires what? Hardships. To, re- to refine metal. Oh. What do you need? Um, you need fire? Yes. You have to have fire and heat, right? If you don't heat the metal up to a high enough temperature, you don't accomplish anything in the refining process. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely required. And I think it's not accidental he uses that imagery when it comes to discipline for us. He uses refining, smelting imagery for a reason. Right. Oh, it's not, And it's not a slow burn. Or it's not a fast burn. It's a slow burn. Correct. You know, just don't put it in and get red hot over, you know. It's a long, steady, it's a long, steady process that requires so, time. The fire represent the hardships. I agree. Yeah, yeah that's yes. Okay. I believe I believe that the the fire and the heat are the hardships that that the persecutions that they're referencing. I, I the way it's framed in my translation, it is through persecutions that we must enter into the kingdom of God. I believe what he's telling us there is that we need to go through the heat in order to get to the place where we can enter into the kingdom of God. Do you remember that that reference from Isaiah 35? And it said it was the way of holiness. Mm-hmm. And in the reference, I already moved away from it. I'm not going to turn back to it, but paraphrasing it basically says it's it's describing that, that pathway that the redeemed are on. Mm-hmm. And he calls it the way of holiness, right? Mm-hmm. And he says that the unclean will not travel on it. They won't. They won't be allowed on it. It's only for those who walk the way. The way there is the covenant. Right. It's the covenant. The covenant we've been talking about for weeks. It's the it's the the scroll of the covenant, the the stipulations he gave us at Sinai, the covenant that Yeshua returns us to. Not he doesn't rip us away from it. He doesn't give us something completely different. It's a new marriage, but the same marital vows, in other words. Mm-hmm. Right. It's new in that it's a new marriage. But it's the same covenant expectations. Right. Does right. that, that kind of make sense? Yep. So same expectations, and that is the way, right, that he's talking about, the way that we need to walk in. And it's all defined by that word, holiness. And I believe that's what we're pointed to with this refining language here. He does the refining. He's the refiner, mm-hmm. right? He brings the heat. <laughs> right. Right. We're just there. We're just, we just surrender ourselves to the, to the smelter, right? We're surrendering to the process, but the goal is being refined or transformed. We use that language unto holiness. And I think that's why it says the unclean won't walk on it because they haven't surrendered to the process and that is required. He does the work, but we have to surrender to the process. Mm -hmm. Does that kind of make sense? Yep. Again, persecution is the fire here. And when it's absent, he'll heat us up by any other means to purify us, right? That can be internal pressure that he applies to us. It can be, you know, other forms of external pressure. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be persecution. I really like your translation that said hardships. That's probably probably a better rendering of that because it's more it's more far reaching. Any kind of hardship you go through can serve as a as a as the heat for the refining process, mm-hmm. right? But the cold hard truth is that we have to go through that heat. We're not going to get it on our own. Right? See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a like I say, process is the right word, and you know there's going to be some running themes that are going to come together. We're not going to get to all of it this episode, this conversation. We're probably going to have to to carry this discussion over to next week. Mm-hmm. But there's some running themes we've been talking about for a few weeks, but especially last week, this week, and moving into next week that I hope are going to kind of come together and in a way that's encouraging and edifying and pointing in the right direction. Right. But it all comes down to that word really process. It's that refining process. So let's round back to, to holiness. Okay, because we talked a lot about that. It's in that reference, and it's it's in direct connection with the way, right? So he defines holiness, and I think I think we've defined holiness on the podcast before, a week or two ago. I can't remember when, mm-hmm. but I'll just I'll rehash it. It's it's the Hebrew kadosh, and it literally means to be set apart, right? In the context of holiness unto God, it's it's set apart for Him. So it really carries the the language of being cut away from, like literally being cut with a knife away from something else, mm-hmm. right? So you're not part of, in, in, in a proper biblical context, you're not part of the world anymore. You're not part of sin anymore. You are completely separated from those things, and you're right. set apart for God, right? But he has to define the holiness, and he does that for us. He does that in the covenant. He does that throughout his word. He defines holiness for us. We don't pick and choose it. Right. right, we can't. There was an analogy that I used, and I, I borrowed this from a friend on another episode a week or two ago. That too often we're dipping our toes on either side of the fence. Right, we have our one, one foot in Babylon and the world system and sin. We have the other foot in the kingdom of God. We're just sort of straddling that fence, and the devil owns the fence. That's not being set apart. Right, you're mm-hmm. trying to play two sides to the middle, and that's not what we're called to. And he tells us on the way of holiness. You won't be on that road, <laughs> right? That's unclean. You won't be on it. You haven't surrendered to the process. We have to jump the fence. <laughs> we right. have to be all in in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. He wants us all in. He doesn't want us half in, half out. He wants us all in. I guess is that. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Right. And another word, and this is the word that's going to be important, especially next week: sanctification. Right. I'm not going to ask. To define, I'm just going to go ahead and define it rather than put you on the spot. Okay. Sanctify comes from the Hebrew word kadash. And it sounds a lot like kadosh for a reason because of related terms. Mm-hmm. So essentially what sanctify means is to be made holy. So kadosh is holiness. And kadash is essentially the process to get there. Okay. Does that make sense? Sanctification yeah. is what gets you to being made holy. Right. In this sense, right, I mean, sanctification is the process to become holy, but you can, I mean, the word sanctified itself, you can be sanctified to do lots of things, but in this sense, we're talking about what it is to be the process to be made holy. Right? Yes, in English, I I would say biblically, the better word for what you're talking about is consecrated. Okay. Consecrated is when you're established for a for a calling or a or a certain work. Okay. He has consecrated you. Sanctification is a process. 
Okay. It is it is what makes you holy. You are made holy through sanctif- sanctification in in the sense that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It. Right. So it's right. it's what gets you. So in other words, so holiness is the goal. To be set apart is the goal. Sanctification is the process leading toward the goal. That's what gets you there. Okay. Right. Think about it in the terms of of do you remember last week the the rule of 40 discussion we had? Mm-hmm. I would say it, in the context of that, the wilderness journey in the 40 days, that's the sanctification process. That mountaintop experience on the 40th day or day 41, however you want to look at it, that's the goal. That's holiness. The, the wilderness mm-hmm. journey is getting you to holiness. Right. It's the refinement. It's okay. the discipline. It's the cutting away of anything unclean or impure in your life until you get to that place of holiness where he wants you to be. Okay. Does that kind of make sense? Yep. Almost, for some reason, it's clunking around in my head of, you know, certified versus certification. Like, you're achieving your certification, and then at the end of it, you're certified. So you're 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 chasing your certification of holiness, and at the end, you're certified holy. That's a good way to put it. Right. And I don't know why I was clunking around in my head, but it... I don't, my my head works weird. No, that's a very good way to put it in in terms that are probably more understandable for for most people. Like like the you go to the tech school, right? Right. And you 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 do all the learning and the reading and the test taking and everything. That's the sanctification process. That certificate you get at the end that qualifies you to do the work on right. the other side of it. That's holiness. That's right. that's consecration. Right. Right. And then the work you do on the other side is what that whole process was preparing you for. Mm-hmm. It's the same with God. Right. He's just putting us through a process to refine us, to get us to the goal. Again, we have to, we have to surrender to it. Yeah. And this is, I planned on talking about, this, this was going to lead into a, a deeper conversation on this, but we're going to have to carry that over. And right. then next week, I, this, the, the, the top half of our episode ran a lot longer. That's than all I right. Had. I had a couple of rabbit trails from our conversation earlier too, that, that, we didn't explore and that's fine. We had a good segue. I was like, yeah, we're running short on time. So we'll, yeah. Yeah. I apologize. Like I no, say, just good. those of you listening, just sort of keep this, this, this conversation in the back of your mind and we'll give a little bit of a, of a, we'll give the cliff notes of what led, led to the, or, or what's mm-hmm. going to lead us to the conversation next week. So that we're, we're all up to this, up to speed, okay. I guess, but we'll just carry this conversation over, to the top half of our episode next week and, and continue this discussion specifically on sanctification. Cause I have a, it, I have sort of an anecdotal experience that grace and I can share on what that sanctification process looks like in action right. for our part. Right. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a twofold process. And that goes back to why I define that word in Isaiah forty thirty one, the word wait, Daba. he does the work. We're eagerly expecting him to do the work, but we have to be ready to spring into action when he directs us to, mm-hmm. when he directs our course of action, mm-hmm. we need to walk it. Does that make sense? Yep. Absolutely. So I think next week, we'll kind of describe how I believe in our own experience that looks like how he leads you, how he does the work, but what he expects on your end mm-hmm. of the bargain, because right. there are actions that we have to take as well. Right. But for now, I'm going to turn it over for... Final thoughts it could be anything, anything we didn't touch on this episode. We have a few minutes. So any final thoughts uh-huh. you have on, I see Grace waving her hand in the air like a wild. lunatic. Thank goodness we don't have cameras. 
You bottom line. You first, Grace. Okay. <laughs> Chris is waving his arms for those of you wondering why she's. Alive. I was doing. I was doing the 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 patented my arms up so long that I have to hold it up over my head in elementary school. <laughs> so, it's more of a fun fact, but kind of tie into like the iron thing. Mm-hmm. Iron is what one of the strongest metals known to man. Correct. Yes, I assume so. It's stronger than tin. I think it's yeah. one of the strongest. Here, uh, it, cause it's, here. The, the strongest is diamond, but but that's not a metal though. Yeah, yeah you're. Right. I'm sure you're right. Yes. So he wants us to be refined into the iron. Cause that's one of the idioms I use is, is being refined to iron not quoting it but right like pure iron yeah undefiled yeah and he wants us to be one of the strongest irons so being one of the strongest in our or being strong in our faith so then we can help others get to that point i i agree i agree we have to be ready to 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 point the way right and to take your analogy a little bit further, you know, when you don't properly refine metal, any metal, but let's look at iron. The whole purpose of the refining process is to remove impurities, mm-hmm. right? Weaker elements is the whole point is to remove weaker elements. And that's essentially what sin and weakness and temptation and impurity and uncleanness. It's a weaker element in our heart he's removing. And looking at iron, if you don't properly refine that, and it's a long process and it goes through multiple, multiple multiple refining stages, right? And like you said, Chris, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a steady, slow burn, right? Mm-hmm. To remove those elements. If you don't remove those weaker elements and you create, you know, whatever you're making out of it, if those weaker elements remain, then it weakens, it weakens the object you're molding and you're forming and it runs the risk of breaking. Because if, if stress or impact strikes a point on, on the molded object, on a weaker on, on on an area of the metal that has those weaker elements still present, it'll break there, it'll crack, and it'll be useless. So he's he's refining us to take that analogy to apply it to us. He's taking us broken and in pieces, as as we all tend to come to him. We come to him broken, and he takes us broken as we are, places us in the smelter to refine us, to melt us down, to remove the the weakness that caused us to break to begin with to reform us into something stronger than we ever could have made ourselves into so that we'll never break again. It's the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. It's a pretty powerful analogy when you really think about it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Chris? Man, I don't want to follow that. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was good. So we were talking earlier, and this, this kind of brought it up, was you know sometimes it's it's God that's, you know, pushing us along our path or pulling us along our path. Mm -hmm. I kind of brought up an an analogy in my head. Would you rather, I mean, let me, let me word this right. Let me word it correctly. So it's, it's impactful. Would you be more disappointed with the person that pushed you out of the way of a oncoming truck? Or would you, be more mad at the person who watched you get hit by that truck and then try to nurse you back to health afterwards. The person who watched, who watched the injury and could have avoided it for sure. Right. So, and in that analogy, you know, if, 
if God sees us a truck barreling towards us, he'll shove us out of the way. But we're so apt to turn around and get so mad. Hey, you pushed me down and now I sprained my ankle. <laughs> yeah. We're so quick to turn around and get so mad that we don't even see the truck go by. But he knows that he pushed us out of the way of that truck. Yeah. Or the alternative is he watches us get splattered by that truck and tries to pick up the pieces. More often than not, you're going to find that he's pushing you out of the way of something bigger. Yeah. Don't turn around and scold him for it. Yeah. Too often we tend to ask God, why do these things happen? You look at the pain and suffering in the world like we talked about earlier in the episode, and we, we shake our fist at God and, said, and, and say, why? Mm-hmm. It's but, okay to be upset. It's okay to have emotion. It's okay to, you need to pray to him, to be open and honest with him, to pour out your heart to him, pour out your emotions to him, pound pound the ground, tell him exactly how you feel, but don't ever let it get to the point where you're shaking your fist at him. Mm-hmm. And questioning his motives from an impure heart. Asking him questions is okay. But there is a far cry of a difference between asking him questions, why did this happen, God? Why does this have to happen? And questioning him with rebelliousness. Right. We need to we need to understand that he sees across a horizon that we can't see. We can't see on the other side of it. We can't see what's coming so often until it's right on top of us. But he sees mm-hmm. from his height, from his elevation, from his vantage point. He sees, and he's looking out for you. And you need to trust in that. It's hard, mm-hmm. but you need to trust in that. I can actually relate to an experience like that, like not metaphorically, but like literally, Mm -hmm. because there was a bus that actually almost ran me over. And the person I was walking with pulled me to the side. And it wasn't comfortable when they did it. Yeah. But you can still be thankful that they just saved your life. Right. And seeing like, it's like seeing the outcome, like seeing that bus go by. I realized that if they hadn't done that, I might want to be here today. Yeah. I kind of think, especially with, you know, you mentioned the the ankle or the hip. I, I think of Jacob, right? Right. You know, what course was Jacob on before he wrestled with God? Probably not a good one. If God felt the need to intervene in the way that he did, mm-hmm. in the very powerful way that he did, and wrench his hip out of place to get Jacob to surrender so that he could become Israel, he may have gone away with no limp, but where was he heading? You know, what calamity was he was he walking toward before God came and wrecked his day? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? From from a, our limited perspective, wrecked his day to change his life. Mm-hmm. I created you, O Jacob. I formed you, O Israel. That passage still hits me hard when I see that, thinking of it in the context of that wrestling match. But I don't think I have anything except a, a scripture reference. Again, we'll continue this conversation directly into, into the top half of our episode next week. So be, be ready for that. But I'll just leave with this prayer from Jeremiah. It's uh, from Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, 23 through 24. And it's a prayer that I think should be on all of our hearts. And it says this, I know, Yahweh, that a man's way is not his own, nor does man, as he walks, direct his steps. Chasten me, Yahweh, 
but with justice, not in your anger, lest you reduce me to nothing. To those of you on the other side of the mic, thank you so much for listening and including us in your day. Before you go, don't forget to follow our podcast, leave a positive review, and click the bell icon to be notified whenever we upload new episodes. Also, feel free to join us on social media and share any feedback, questions, or discussion ideas you might have. Links are in the description. As always, we pray this has been a blessing to you and a light pointing only ever to Him. This has been that Philly Faith Podcast, encouraging you to keep your feet steady upon the path, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and pursue that Philly Faith. Until next time, Shalom. God bless. See you later. (laughs) Bye. There you go. Singing glory, yeah, amen. Singing glory.